With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. The following is an exclusive presentation of News Radio KMAN, your home for K State Athletics. It's game time. This is the game on News Radio KMAN. Troy and Travion, if you would please do me a favor for the next two hours. Do not give me any spoilers from last night's AEW Dynamite. I haven't watched it yet. I've seen a couple of things pop up. But please, I know you guys were keeping up. Please don't. Troy, please don't. I'm begging you. I had to beg my mother not to give me any spoilers on Ozark. And sometimes it's tough for her to keep, you know, the lips zipped. I'm hoping you guys could do me a solid in for the next two hours. No spoilers, please. I, you, okay. The only thing I saw was uh, Chris Jericho and Sting, a couple of legends in the industry, crossed paths last night. And uh, I don't know if that's hinting to a match. I mean, I don't know if that'd be a good match, but it is interesting. Welcome to the game. Full two hours today. Mitch Fortner, Troy Coverdale, Travion Berkland. I'm feeling good, guys, and the reason... Uh, that I'm feeling good, and I didn't watch AEW Dynamite last night. Was I? I went to a concert last night that I've been looking forward to for months. Lindsay went with me. My parents went with me. We made a little road trip out of it, a little getaway. And man, did the Doobie Brothers not disappoint! For a group of guys that are in their early seventies mm-hmm. and have been doing this for over fifty years. To sound as good as they did, I was like, man, I don't think there's many bands at their level, at their age, that could still sound that good. How old is Michael McDonald? Michael McDonald is 71 years old. Mm. St. Louis boy. And before he was a Dewey brother, he was with Steely Dan. And it, I, I thought it was kind of fitting that they actually closed with a Steely Dan song. Mm-hmm. I'm not a Steely Dan fan. But they finished with Pretzel Logic, just kind of send the people home happy. Maybe allow some to get out the door a little bit early, get to their cars and beat traffic. <laughs> but if you need a reason, by the way, Coach Tang, if you need a reason to hire me as like the new director of strategy, now that Kevin Sutton has, has departed, which you know I'm sad to see him go. And he's with now IMG Academy, is that yes. right? Mm-hmm. Great opportunity for Kevin Sutton. And... Uh, but he was, man, one of the nicest guys. Yes. Uh, he would come to the scores table for every game, 
you know, chop it up a little bit. We, yep. you know, there is a, and I, I won't drop names here. I, you know, I didn't get sure any permission to do that. But in this lady from uh, Riley works the scores table, and her son was accepted into Top Gun. Ooh, and Kevin before one of the games, and she was my spotter for that game, comes over and goes, you're sitting next to a celebrity. Did you know that? I thought he was talking to her about me. Right. And I got a little ego built up. I was like, please, Ke- please, <laughs> Kevin, please, not in front of everybody. No, he's talking about her because of her son making Top Gun. Uh-huh. And But just him knowing that and having that, uh, having that bond. Sure. With everybody and – and uh, getting to know everybody, I thought that was a hell of a gesture. Hell, of, that, that was so cool for him to. And I met his son on the way to New York City on the plane, and uh, brought it up to Kevin afterwards after that uh, Sweet Sixteen win. And cool guy, really cool guy. But listen, I, when I go to a concert, I like to uh, examine the set list as it unfolds. Okay. And just to kind of get the strategy, like what were they trying to accomplish with this set list? And I figured it out because the crowd that's going to show up for a, a Dewey Brothers concert is going to be older. Sure. The median age is going to be older than I am, and that's 32. I mean, all around me, other than some girls that were behind me that would not shut up for most of the concert. I mean, trying to talk over the music and have a conversation wouldn't shut up. You guys have you guys need to have some self-awareness. It's it's not listening to Sonny in the middle of the workday. You you paid whatever amount of money to watch a rock and roll Hall of Fame band perform for a couple of hours. Shut up and listen. Sing along, whatever. I just you, don't need you don't to know hear you. Paid. What's that? You don't know if they paid. They could have just been. I would assume along. they did. Good I mean, grief. When the hits started flying out, she was singing every song. But man, start talking about this plan for a road trip. I was like, oh, who cares? And they weren't even <laughs> sitting right behind me. They're kind of down the road, but I could hear them anyway. Was still able to hear the music. Fine. It, it was a great show. But the strategy was. This crowd isn't going to stand and party for two straight hours. Sure. So for the first hour, they had enough hits in there to keep you entertained. Although there was a bit of a lull there for a while, like songs I, did, I didn't even know. Um, and then the second hour of the show is they, they get you warmed up. It was like they were their own opening band. Okay. They got you warmed up with a cover of I Heard It Through the Grapevine. You may know that from Marvin Gaye. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I think of Gladys Knight and the Pips. And then Better Days, Minute by Minute, Jesus is Just All Right, What a Fool Believes, Long Train Running, China Grove, Blackwater, Damn. Uh, Taking It to the Streets, Listen to the Music, One After Another. I was like, man, Whoa. once they got it cranked up, that place came alive. Starlight Theater, by the way. Yes. I was like, man. And also, Michael McDonald, his songs were like a couple here, skip a couple. He sings again because he wasn't the, you know, the he hasn't been the Doobie Brothers' full-time lead singer. He came in a little after uh, this the the band got established. Like Blackwater, like he he wasn't the singer on Blackwater, but right. Taking It to the Streets, What a Fool Believes, among other songs, Minute by Minute. Mm-hmm. Um, but once Minute by Minute played, 
And uh, and then you heard Michael McDonald come in with the opening line. People are like, all right, now this is going to really get cranked up. And Michael sounds phenomenal. He still got it. That voice that you know him with, I mean, going back to the Steely Dan days or the when he was with the Doobie Brothers, right. when they were releasing that music, uh, his solo stuff, working with Christopher Cross, that voice you're used to is the voice you got at Starlight Theater. He was so good at 71 years old. I truly believe if he wanted to take my mom away from my dad, he probably could have. <laughs> Oh, and what's funny is my dad looks a lot like Michael McDonald. Okay, all right. My dad actually, somebody behind us said, you know, if if you weren't sitting all the way back here, we would think you were Michael McDonald. They they look very nice. similar. I, I, I could show you some pictures. He, he's even uh, rocking the beard these days. But, and I also, when I think of Michael McDonald, I, for some reason, and Travion, I'm sure, have you guys seen 40-Year-Old Virgin? Yes, there's yeah, a scene they, where Paul, yeah, Paul Rudd is in the uh, the 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 uh, electronic store, whatever you want to call it, and on the TVs they have um, the Michael and Donald era of Doobie Brothers, like showing a concert on the TVs. Yes, and there's at a time he starts singing minute by minute, and Paul Rudd is. If I have to hear Michael McDonald saying, yeah, I'll be there one more time. I'm going to burn this place to the ground. <laughs> Always reminds me of that as well. I'm just so impressed. of Because Michael McDonald has a, has a very interesting range. It's like his voice is deep, but, but high-pitched at the same time. Right. And he would still reach that high pitch at 71 years old. There are so many singers out oh. there that are still out there today, in their 50s, in their 60s. That have lost their voice. Billy Joel does not even attempt on The Longest Time. There's a, uh, you may know this band, I'm sure a lot of people don't, but they're, they're, Slaughter is their name. Yes. And they had, they had a ballad in the early 90s called Fly to the Angels, mm-hmm. and, and he had a very high-pitched voice. Yes. But it could also, it's like a shredding voice as well, it has that rock star voice, that tone to it. And then I heard him sing, boy, this was maybe five years ago. I felt Ouch. bad for him. Ouch. Felt really bad for him. Micah McDonald is one of the few lucky ones. Mm-hmm. And and Lindsay pointed it out as well. It's like we also had an interesting angle where we were like stage right. Okay. And Micah McDonald set up stage left. And in between the keyboards, you could see his hands work. And she's like, watch his hands. Because he's singing and play the keyboards at the same time. Right. But he's playing more than one. He'll like play the bottom one and then jump up to the top and do one hand on top and one hand on the bottom. Hmm. And he's playing them at the same time. And like, that's some underrated talent that Michael McDonald You're has. Right. But it was the Michael McDonald show there for a while, but uh, Tom Johnston is not on the tour right now. He had back surgery and I think he was the original singer and he was back with the group. So he wasn't there, but, there was another original band member there, and he was doing a lot of the singing. Actually, the singing was kind of going all over the place. Everybody sounded fantastic. And then the melody would come in. It was beautiful. I, I was so impressed how a bunch of 70-year-olds can still out there, just go out there and just tear it down. That was, I mean, money well spent. That is That was a top 10 concert for me last night. So I'm sorry, Travion. Killer. I, I would bet... I'm sorry, but Doobie Brothers were probably better than Dead and Company. I, I would, and the thing I want to see them again. They were that good. They'll be in Lincoln, Nebraska, in August. 
Are you going to head? I might. I might. I might seriously think about that. Like, they've been doing this for 51 years. I don't know how much longer they got in them. Right. So I might want to catch him one more time. That, I was just a huge fan of the work of Mike, Michael McDonough last night, how good he sounded. Like, I think I need to experience that one more time. <laughs> I'd like to see a solo show of his. That would be really cool. Why Why not with Dewey Brothers? I mean, I would do either, but I'm just saying. You just I like want to hear some of his solo yeah, stuff? Yeah, his solo stuff, yeah. I like some of his solo stuff. Do you have a favorite solo song of his? Uh, I don't know if I could pick Keep a on Forgetting? Is that what it's called? That one's a good one. I'm not too familiar, actually, with the solo stuff now that I think about it, because all the songs I'm thinking of is with the band. That one's good, too. Oh, my God. It sounded just like him. Did you hear that? <laughs> yep. If you close your eyes and listen to Trey t- sing, it's like Mike McDonald's here. <laughs> oh, sweet freedom. Yeah. That was good. Mm-hmm. Travion, what did you say is next on your list? I don't have anything planned for this month. I think the next show I have a ticket to is Death Grips. I don't know Death Grips. Who are an industrial hip hop. Those are available group. at Menards, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and then, like, a few days after that, it's Madonna in Tulsa. Oh, wow. Okay. I didn't even know that was happening. Um, man, yep. I might have to get Lindsay's attention on that one. Yep. That might be a road trip. Mm hmm. Uh, let's see. We'll get to the sports. We got a lot of sports to bring up here today on the show and maybe not a lot of K-State, but I'm looking forward to number one song of the day and ask us anything to wrap up our two, but still to come, Deion Sanders is getting laughed at by Nebraska fans, (laughs) but coming up next, man, this is a big proving year for Brent Venables in Oklahoma with the schedule that was released for 2024. The game on K-Man, Mitch, Troy, Trey. Us three today, we're on uh, tomorrow as well, full two hours. We? Yeah. I'm off tomorrow. Oh, that's right. Afternoon. I'm sorry. Yes. Yeah, that's right. You're going to a wedding. That's right. I would have remembered when you didn't show up. I was like, ah, oh, that's right. <laughs> He's going to a wedding. You texted this, me earlier this week. What is this we stuff, Kimo Sabe? Yeah. So instead, Deej will come in and fill your role. Um, we got to... Uh, tweet during the break from Griff <laughs> wanted Troy to react. He wanted a reaction <laughs> from listening to Death Grips. And we did. We pulled up the song, Trey, we pulled up the song Guillotine. That was the first one that popped up. That one rules. Okay. That's a big one according to Trey. Now, Troy listened to, uh, well, during the break, we didn't have, as we saw the tweet, we listened to about a minute 30. Yeah, it's a bit more industrial than maybe I would go with, right. but, you know, I'm. I'm the guy who was pulling into the lot listening to Tupac this afternoon and, and a little Eric B. and Rakim. So, nice. you know, that I, I lean more towards the older version of rap and a little industrial like that. Uh, I mean, it was okay. It, it wasn't anything great, in my opinion. It's but, pretty aggressive. Yeah. Well, yeah. My, my first reaction and first thought was, is this Tech Nine's burner account? <laughs> Because it has like that Tech Nine feel to yes, it, but it's yes, right. it, it's definitely more aggressive than Tech Nine with the with the uh, music part of it, not the lyrics, but like with the music, it's more right, aggressive than Tech right. Nine. But I had kind of I, I thought I heard some chuh in there. I'm thinking oh, yeah. Tech Nine. <laughs> first first place my mind went to was Tech Nine. Nice. All right, so this was yesterday, and this was this must have been right after you guys got off the air. 
because I figured you would have talked about it, but I didn't see it on the uh, when I looked back at the podcast. I was like, hmm. And then I looked back at the tweets, and Paul was like, no, that didn't come out until like six or seven yeah. o'clock. I was like, yeah. perfect, perfect, because even though you know Oklahoma and Texas up there is for you know bouncing, but I you would imagine they're going to face a gauntlet that first year of the Big Twelve, and yeah, uh, certainly for Oklahoma. So yesterday announced all the the SEC 2024 schedules now with Texas and Oklahoma involved. They've done away with divisions, and I love that because now you're going to see Alabama-Georgia, regular season game, fantastic, as it should be. Because, man, did it feel like those divisions were a bit lopsided. Just a touch. Almost as bad as the Big Tens. With Oklahoma... Actually, before I get there, I do want to mention as well that not one team in the SEC will play Oklahoma and Texas. They'll either play Oklahoma or Or, they'll play Texas. So I thought that was very interesting. Yeah, that is a very odd setup. Well, and I get it. They're giving everybody an opportunity to, you know, get a taste of the new blood. Yeah. So Oklahoma's schedule has... Texas, so they'll still play the game in Dallas at the Cotton Bowl. That is considered an Oklahoma home game. So, like, they'll be the home team on the scoreboard or whatever. And then at Gaylord Family, they'll have South Carolina, Tennessee, and Alabama. So Alabama coming to Norman. The road trip for Oklahoma, Missouri, Ole Miss, okay, Auburn, ah, and then they're going to Death Valley, LSU. Ooh. So my thought there was, I started thinking, actually, what 2023 means. Now that that schedule has been rolled out, and Oklahoma did not have an Oklahoma season in 2022. Mm-hmm. The debut for Brent Venables was a bit ugly. As in, the defense, the past defense was atrocious. Brent Venables would put Dylan Gabriel in some tough situations. And by the way, also putting him in danger's way. I'll never forget right before. So you might recall, you know, Texas Tech had a great season where they beat Oklahoma. They beat Texas both at home and overtime games. And, you know, that was the first time they'd done that in forever. Been a long time. I would have to guess Mike Leach days. Maybe. Mm -hmm. And then. There was a trick play where Oklahoma had like a you know a, a reverse into a pass, and who was the receiver? It was Dylan Gabriel. He catches the ball, but takes probably the biggest hit of his life on the tackle, and he is rolling around on the ground. He is in a ton of pain. I'm like, I get you're trying to win a game, but you just put your quarterback in a pretty bad situation, right. and then Oklahoma misses the field goal. Yes. Texas Tech comes back. They make the field goal. It's a walk-off. Fans storm the field. Tremendous, you know, victory to end the regular – I think that was the end of the regular season. It was. For for Texas Tech, and they get to a bowl game, and they beat Ole Miss, and they win eight games all of a sudden. Mm-hmm. Oklahoma in 2023 has to make sure that they aren't falling behind. And they have to make some tremendous progress. They're – Oklahoma is still recruiting at an elite level. But Brent Venables 
cannot afford a season less than a uh, nine wins. Let's put it at nine wins. Anything less than that will probably still be seen. It'll be looked at as improvement, but it will still be a disappointment for Oklahoma fans. They're looking for much bigger results than six and seven. They won an opportunity, and they won't take anything less. And I'm sure some higher-ups at Oklahoma definitely don't want to see anything less than being serious contenders for a Big 12 championship game before, or I should say, you know, going into the last game of the regular season. They were out of contention early. Three games left. They were pretty comfortably out of it at that point. Especially with just really one seat available. TCU was going to have the other one. They have the possibility of finding themselves at 2-1 and one coming out of the early schedule. Or 3-0. and SMU's a swing game in that to me. Talking about 2023. 2023. This, this upcoming season, yeah. Arkansas State, Tulsa are their other non-cons. Road game at Tulsa. Road game at Tulsa. Doesn't yeah. matter. Quote-unquote road game yeah. at Tulsa. And then, you know, Cincinnati, Iowa State, Texas, Central Florida, KU, Oklahoma State, West Virginia, BYU, and TCU. Three of those last four are going to be tough for them. Yeah, Oklahoma. West Virginia, I'm not. not, West Virginia's not going to be good. Yeah. West Virginia's not going to be good this season. If Oklahoma goes into the SEC with no momentum, they are going to have a rude awakening waiting for them with this schedule. When you play SEC football, you you can't avoid having a couple of national championship contenders on on your schedule. But when you have South Carolina that's looking a lot better, Tennessee, which will be a question mark but could still be really good this year, Alabama all coming to your house, you might have a very ugly schedule waiting for you. Then let's factor in something that Dave G and I got into yesterday, and that's the financial aspect. And the numbers through USA Today's database of what athletic departments brought in in 2022, as well as just in general what their overall financial status is. Oklahoma was one of the two teams in the top 10, one of the two schools in the top 10, that is getting subsidized by its university. One of two in the top 10 that are getting subsidized by their university because they're not making enough money for it to be a a self-sustaining situation. Texas, meanwhile, top of the list in terms of number two, in fact, in what they were bringing in compared to what Ohio State has. OU's going to find themselves in a real pinch if they have no momentum going into the SEC and facing that challenge. They they are in a very dangerous spot right now. I love the entertainment value for Texas's schedule because they're going to Kyle Field. Yes. They're going to be visiting Texas A&M, and that's going to be one of the best environments in college football next year. What a sop to A&M to say, Okay, listen, we understand you didn't want them in the conference. You get the matchup first. They're going to be hosting Georgia in 2024, and that's going to be college game day. 
whatever oh. Fox's college game day show is, everybody's going to be there for that. That that's going to be the game in college football. And you could probably say the same argument for Oklahoma and Alabama. I'm expecting Texas to be the better program in 2024. And then they also host Florida, Kentucky, Mississippi State. They're going to Van- they get the Vanderbilt. So they lucked out there. And they also have a road trip to Arkansas. And what was it? A couple of years ago when they went to Arkansas, that was a hell of an environment as well. That's an old rivalry as well. So some rivalries renewed with Texas's schedule. Still really tough. But I love the rivalry aspect in it. And it feels a little bit more balanced than Oklahoma. I think Oklahoma has a tougher fight than Texas does. But I wouldn't say either one of them has the toughest schedule. Because neither of them have to play both Alabama and Georgia, and that's the first place I look. Who does, who has to play Alabama and Georgia in the same year? Auburn oh. and Tennessee. <laughs> and what sucks for Auburn is they have to go on the road for the Iron Bowl. Oh. They have to go on the road for Georgia. Oh, they get that's slapped br- on both? That, that's brutal. That's awful. That's, yeah, that really sucks. That 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 does really stink, man. That that's one where Auburn fan is going. Hey, hey, uh, wait a minute. I saw a lot of people point out Florida's schedule as maybe being the toughest, and I'll maybe get your idea on this here, Troy. If you want to want to bring one, because they they'll play, of course, Georgia and Jacksonville. They're going to be at Texas, going to be at Mississippi State, at Tennessee, and then at home they have Kentucky, Texas A and M, and Ole Miss. That is considered one of the toughest ones, but I think I have to go Auburn. Yeah, having Alabama and Georgia as road games, that that puts it over the top. Tennessee, Tennessee. That, that makes you wonder what you did to hack off the SEC office. Tennessee has Alabama at home. Who else? Uh, they have Florida, Alabama, Kentucky, Mississippi State at home. On the road, Georgia, Oklahoma, Arkansas, Vanderbilt. I also consider that one of the tougher ones. I think Florida, Auburn, Tennessee are the three toughest. I might have to give it to Auburn with the two road games at Alabama and, and, and Georgia. They're not going to survive. When we come back, uh, you know, K-State not the only in-state school to be playing Wichita State this upcoming basketball season. I think something we've been asking for for a long time is finally going to happen this upcoming season. That's next. I, uh, I broke my microphone button. <gasps> I might not be able to shove the microphone during the breaks. That's no bueno. No. <laughs> Let's see if I can fix this here real quick. Gotta see. There we go. Okay. I rigged it. We're good to go. Welcome back to the game. Mitch, Troy, and Trey on for a full two hours. We'll take you up until six o'clock. Uh, here on News Radio KMAN. If you miss any of the show, search for the game KMAN on wherever you listen to your podcasts and keep what, keep up what's going on with uh, local sports, of course, in the Big 12. And, uh, you know, basketball fans in the state, I think, have been asking this, asking for this for a while, maybe. Mm-hmm. You know, maybe. Uh, it sounds fun, and it's finally going to be 
happening for the first time in probably a long time. I think it's going to be the first time in 31 years that this will be taking place because you're going to have this this upcoming basketball season, a K-State, KU, and Wichita State round robin. I'm all for it, save for one thing. Location. The game, uh, the both K State and KU will be playing Wichita State in Kansas City. Bing. As okay, someone, how I as someone nailed it on Twitter today, and I enjoyed it, and I wish I remembered who said it. Hey, can we try and do this in state next time? I yes, I hear you. Just barely <laughs> over the border. I get it. Um, is it at T Mobile? Yeah, T Mobile. Yeah, can That'd we be cool. can, can we keep it in Kansas next time? Well, the thing Thank is, so it's not. So here's the deal. What's interesting to me is that so K State will play K uh, K State will play Wichita State in Kansas City December 21st. Mm-hmm. The KU Wichita State game will be on December 30th. So, so Wichita State is going to Kansas City twice, twice. in nine days. And it's not I mean, it's it's not the biggest burden in the world. Sure. But it is interesting how they uh set that up. Now, what I'm not exactly happy to see is I go on the T Mobile website and I see Jayhawks, Shockers, and bold bright lettering Kansas versus Wichita State, December thirtieth, and uh nowhere to be found is any advertisement at all for K State Wichita State at T Mobile Center. So I'd definitely be on that. But the last time KU and Wichita State played in the regular season was 1993. And, I mean, it was a complete you know, buck kicking. Right. I mean, KU took care of Wichita State. Um, and I know you know the T-Mobile center game is this year. I think it's next year, right, that the, the Shockers come to Manhattan? Yes. I think that's right. Think so, I mean, Manhattan's still going to get their game, and I'm sure Allen Fieldhouse will still get their game. I'm then, sure at some point KU will arrive you know, at Interest Bank Arena or wherever. I don't think they do it at Coke. Probably not. It would make sense to do it at Coke, but... Actually, I think it would make better sense to play it at Interest Bank Arena. It's just, you know, that's why I, the... I, I'm, I'm, I, I'm the guy with the, the mid-major background. I like to see those games at the home and home. Well, sure. I, yeah, just see, you know, see the you know, Shockers logo on the floor at Coke Arena and how crazy that environment can be. It wasn't anything great this year because sure. Wichita State wasn't good. But it, yes, it could be ferocious if they played at Coke or in Bramlage or Allen Fieldhouse. But you have a bigger capacity at Interest Bank Arena, a bigger opportunity to make more money. To put it that way, to have it at, at a somewhat neutral side, I guess, to sell some tickets and make it a really big deal. But for this to be happening is, I think, something that people have been asking for a long time, and it is finally going to happen. Um, but at both games this year at, at T-Mobile Center. Is interesting. I thought they maybe would have broke that up a little bit. Maybe send KU down to Wichita. Like if I was Wichita State, I would try to organize it to where at least they have one of them in their area, mm-hmm. and then it flip flops the next right. year. Exactly. It, the know? fact that it that it's both in Kansas City is exceptionally odd. Meanwhile, I, I do want to briefly bring this up. We, you know, Chris Jones' storyline has been quite interesting, and, and Troy and I were talking about it off the air before the show started. Chris Jones is right now in contract negotiations with the Chiefs. Um, and he's going to be making, what, $20 million this year? He'll be the eighth highest paid defensive tackle in the league. And I'm like, 
eighth best? Like, I, yeah, he probably deserves a little bit more money than that. I mean, he was fourth best in sacks this past year as a defensive tackle, mm-hmm. and he was fourth on that list in sacks. I'm sure the rest are defensive ends. I'll have to go look at the list. I'm not sure. But in contract negotiations, he's not in any of the camps. It's a, it's what you would call a holdout. And I thought Patrick Mahomes had a great quote there. That's the business. Chris Jones is a veteran. He knows what to do. He, he will stay in shape during this contract negotiations. He's just trying to get what he wants so he can be a chief longer past you know this upcoming season. Right. And he's 28 years old. Oh. What, what was the oh? You don't think he has another three or four left in him to have – I think that that top tier seasons. I think that that is where that Brett Veach probably is looking at at things and going. You're wanting how much? Because I think at that point you start to just que- begin to question how much is left in the tank. And you bring up a fair point. I you know I don't know if I have anything to respond to that because I don't know the median age or like you know what is the shelf life of a defensive tackle. I mean, because they're right there in the trenches. But, I mean, offensive linemen seem like they stick around for, or they could, you know, the veterans, they stick around for a long time. I don't know if I have an answer for defensive tackles and how long they stick around, especially with tackles and, you know, you're trying to muddy the waters, especially in a lot of running plays. Hmm. That's, a, that's an interesting point. But right now, he. Do, you know, it's interesting. He doesn't have any signs right now, at least, of slowing down. I mean, 15 and a half sacks for Chris Jones, that's a, that ties a career high. Right. I mean, he's had another one, but I think that other one, 15 and a half sacks, was three or four years ago. And now at 28 years old, he does it again and was an absolute force on that pass rush. I mean, his last body of work says he's worth a lot of money. But maybe the length of the contract is a story. It, it's that aspect of getting to 30 that in a lot of ways just begin, unless you're a quarterback, offensive lineman, yeah. Um, but once you hit 30, the hesitation, I think, becomes bigger for the front office to not be locked into a long-term contract. You know, I, I would bet that he is, he's probably the youngest defensive lineman, or I'm sorry, the oldest defensive lineman that the Chiefs have. Everybody else is quite, I don't know what Aminihue, I don't know what his age is, but I'm sure everybody, I mean, everybody else is either a rookie or first or second year or maybe third year, if I think about it. So yeah, he would definitely be the veteran, no doubt about it. Now with Frank Clark gone, Chris Jones is the old guy. Hmm, There's no doubt about that. So I don't know. That might be something we have to touch a little bit later. That's an interesting point you brought up with the. I brought it up with the age, but yeah. thinking about the contract negotiations at 28 years old, but coming off 15 and a half sacks, that is very interesting. Uh, but and in a salary cap sport, on top of everything, I don't know. I think Brett, Brett Veach could probably take care of that quite well. I think I, he knows what he's doing by now. I don't now. disagree. I'm just saying that it just adds to the it adds to the chess game. To finish up hour one, I think we found our next Joey Chestnut when it comes to being one of the best competitors against the rest of the world in odd sports. It's coming up next on the game. 
spinoff uh, Troy's Game Sports update. You know, the Royals are off tonight, so they're... Uh, Six game losing streak. Victory! Sixteen game losing Victory! streak won't be continued. Nine ga- nine games. Oh, is it nine games? It it's feels like sixteen. Now. Yeah, uh, it might get to sixteen with all the issues and Vinny Pasquantino now out for the year. Yeah, it's a it's a win. The Royals can't lose today. I think we found our new Joey Chestnut. Uh, I saw this going viral yesterday that there is a new Guinness World Record for the fastest time solving a three by three by three Rubik's cube. His name is Max Park. He is an American, and he already has a bunch of records, but he, a couple of days ago, broke the record, shaving .34 seconds off the fastest time solving a Rubik's Cube, a record that was five years old. Imagine this, solving a Rubik's Cube in 3.13 seconds. That is the new world record, and he set that yesterday, but or two days ago, but here's the comparison with Joey Chestnut, because Joey Chestnut is known for the hot dog eating contest, but he also owns records in, like, the wing eating contest, or what else is there? Chicken nugget eating contest, taco eating contest, donuts. He, like, has all the records. Well, this Max kid also holds the record for the fastest solve and average solve world world records for the 4x4x4, the 5 the six and the seven Damn. Rubik's cubes. He has all of those records now. There's your next Joey Chestnut, but it's in Rubik's cube. The video is hilarious, by the way. So the video starts out with him warming up on a Rubik's cube, and then he wipes his hands off with a towel. I'm like, okay, LeBron James. <laughs> and then once he finishes, there's like this Brian Roll letter that flies in. He's like the uh, in basketball, the walk-on that holds everybody back after a big bucket or something. He's trying to hold everybody back from touching or even getting close to this Rubik's Cube or the clock. He is holding. He is a security guard. He's holding everybody back. And then the, the reaction in the room, because there's a lot. Of, he already had a reputation of just being this total badass on a Rubik's Cube. The whole room knew he was going for this record. So everybody's standing around and kind of watching. And once he finishes, the room just erupts. It was like if like Marvel and DC like announced this crossover movie with Spider-Man and Batman. It was that kind of reaction. Yeah. The place just went bonkers. And it was like wide-eyed, O-mouth, in shock of how dominating that was. Yes, we have a new competitor who is an American that will beat anybody around the world in his sport, just like Joey Chestnut. So we now have our one and two when it comes to best competitors in America. Side event at Nathan's this year for the fourth? Better have it on the third. Yeah, I think so. I think the hot dog yeah. eating contest is the main event. Or save it for like Thanksgiving or something. Nah. Oh, no, that's football. Well, let's take a break. When we come back, hour number two, Nebraska fans laughing at Deion Sanders, but also your local news.